I'm not big into cooking shows because I'd rather not watch someone cook something that I don't get to eat. And I'm not into cooking shows because I usually can't recreate what I see them make on TV. But from time to time, I do enjoy watching Chef Gordon Ramsay, mostly for the action and the drama. If you're familiar with the premise of his shows, Chef Ramsay bluntly insists on culinary perfection. I don't um, espouse his methods for the record. (laughs) He shouts out orders like a general and the contestants obediently and fearfully reply, yes, chef, yes, chef this, yes, chef that. And sometimes I wish that people listened to me like that. No. (laughs) If you think about it though, there are many cooks in our lives telling us what to do. And they all want that same reply, yes, chef. We are in week two of our message series called Missing Ingredients. If you're just joining us, welcome. You can always catch the past um, installments on our website, theascensionparish.com. But let me just take a moment to recap what we talked about last week. In cooking, Missing ingredients are often little things that have big impact on the end product. Like if you're cooking your grandmother's bread recipe and you leave out the yeast. Instead of a nice warm loaf, you'll end up with a soggy, flat, sad piece of dough. To one degree or another, we all have some ingredients missing from our lives. And this plays itself out whenever we feel attention. And that tension can be something like this. Like when I think to myself, I'm going to do this healthy thing, whatever it is, you know, but maybe I'll just do something else instead. Whatever ingredient is missing from your life, our Lord Jesus wants to help you find it. And I assure you, you will do a better job finding whatever ingredients are missing from your life when you search for them with him. Before we get to the meat of today's message, I'd want to invite you to participate in a food drive that the Knights of Columbus are hosting next week. They're collecting non-perishable food items for people for whom food is literally the missing ingredient. They'll be outside Our Lady of Fatima a week from today from 12 until 2. Today we're talking about too many cooks in the kitchen. I didn't know this, but the response, yes, chef, didn't originate with Gordon Ramsay. It developed in the kitchens of fine French restaurants which were organized kind of like military brigades. Each person in the kitchen had a specific role and the discipline ensured high standards, speed, and accuracy. And it goes without saying that those kitchens must have had high pressure and a lot of stress. And often, it feels like our lives are the same way. It feels like we're living in Gordon Ramsay's kitchen. But instead of one cook telling us what to do, there are many, and they all want different things. We feel the expectations of parents, spouses, and 
children. We have the expectations of our bosses, our friends, siblings, and coworkers, our classmates. And then there are all of the expectations that our culture puts on top of us. We have to look a certain way, we have to go to a certain college, we have to have 2.4 kids, and, and so many other things. And then on top of all of that, there are the expectations that we place on ourselves. There really are too many cooks in the kitchen. And with so many voices telling us what to do, how do you decide which cook to say yes, chef, to? That's the question that Jesus speaks to in today's gospel. He says, a matter of factly, no servant can serve two masters. He will either hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. If you've ever had to work for two bosses, you know how difficult this can get. It might work okay for a while, but sooner or later, they're going to have priorities that conflict or they're gonna want you to do different things altogether. As the saying goes, you can please some of the people some of the time, but you can't please all of the people all of the time. So you gotta choose which master are you gonna serve? And it can't be a little bit of both because Jesus says, as Jesus says, you cannot serve both God and mammon. We usually think of mammon as referring to money, and it does, but there's another level to what Jesus is saying. Mammon is an Aramaic word but there's another Aramaic word that I'm sure all of you are familiar with. We didn't realize we're gonna brush up on our ancient Aramaic this morning. And that word is amen, or amen, amen. And amen is usually translated I trust or I believe. And interestingly, amen is the root of the Aramaic word mammon. And it's that addition of that M at the beginning that that changes it from being a verb into a noun. So mammon, if you're to, it means, refers to money, but it literally means the thing in which I trust. Mammon is the thing in which I trust. Now money, it's true, is often the top competitor with God for our hearts, but mammon for you The thing in which you trust could be something else. St. Thomas Aquinas says that the four typical substitutes for God are wealth, pleasure, power, or honor, or some combination thereof. And in one way or another, all of them want to be mammon for us. They want to become your master and they will if you let them. So what is mammon? What is the thing in which you trust for you? Is it having to have the best of everything? Is it always having to be in charge and always get your way? Is it always having to have that extra drink or a gummy just to feel happy? Is it having to be thought of the right way 
by the right people. You see, the irony is this. When you serve mammon, and again, mammon is that thing in which you trust, you find yourself empty and frustrated. If you think the missing ingredient from your life is more mammon, then all you're going to do is increase the number of masters you serve and the number of expectations you cannot fulfill and you are going to be drained of your happiness. There is only one master. There is only one master who wants everything for us but takes nothing from us but our sins. And that is God. God is the master who takes nothing from us but wants everything for us. This might be hard to hear, but saying no to the masters who are really cheap substitutes for God in your life might mean that your life has to look different. Saying no to the masters in your life who are really cheap substitutes for God might mean that your life has to look different. And that's okay. It's okay to say no to mammon even if you have to let go of some of the luxuries that mammon can provide. Maybe that means saying no to your next promotion so that you can spend more time on the things or, or more time with the people that are important to you. Or maybe it means turning down an invitation so that you can spend time or, or be really present to the people that are most important to you. The different forms of mammon will always tell you that more is more but it will only ever cost you more and more when they become your masters because they are going to take more and more of your happiness. And we see this most clearly and perhaps most dramatically with addictions. They strip the person of everything they have. Last week we gave out these cookbooks to help you pray through the series and to perfect the recipe of your life. If you didn't get one, we have some in the back as you leave. But I want you to spend some time, maybe even just 10 minutes with the cookbook this week and consider. You know, maybe Jesus is challenging you to take stock of the masters you serve. And which of these masters ultimately is a part of God or, or serves God and thus deserves a bigger spot in your life? And which of those masters ultimately serve mammon and deserve to be thrown out of your kitchen?